0: Ah yes, it is weekends Eve here on Kenny and Carlin. We are on ESPN radio and ESPN plus and we are presented by Progressive Insurance and since we have a quota on co-hosts whose initials start with the letter C, because we don't have any Chris Carlin today who's on Mancation, we bring in Courtney Cronin Courtney, what up?
1: What is mancation?
0: Well, it's it's when you go out of town and you're going out of town with your buddies and you leave your significant other behind. Oh, so, so
1: a, is, a guy's trip?
0: Yeah, mancation. Vacation. I are, like yeah, that. Mancation, mancation. I need to set up
1: a girlcation for myself. Girlcation. That sounds fun. Vacation. Vacation. I like that. Vacation. Hey, go, I'm all vacation. about it. <laughs> there you go.
0: Well, Courtney, today we got a jam-packed show. Of course, we got the NFL schedule that is due to be released this evening. We're already starting to see some schedules released. Our producer, Shannon Penn, who's a huge Giants fan, the Giants schedule is already out there. And it features a date with the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. But we got plenty of time to get into that. We also got to talk about tonight's playoff games because we got a couple of spicy game sixes with Mavs sons. And then, of course, Philadelphia trying to stave off elimination against the Miami Heat. But... There's only one place to start today's show, Courtney, and that's with the epic comeback that we saw by the Milwaukee Bucks in game five in TD Garden. It seemed like it was an opportunity that the Celtics gift-wrapped to the Milwaukee Bucks because when you have a team down six inside of two minutes, that's not a game that you're supposed to lose. Yet, the Boston Celtics found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory.
1: Just absolutely brutal. A brutal loss for the Boston Celtics, and one that they don't have time to dwell on here because they head to game six, and you know they had a chance to put the defending champions you know moments away from you know heading towards elimination, but now. This series feels like it's going to go seven. And I know that we've talked about this for a while now, just given the physicality of the defenses between Boston and Milwaukee and why this is probably the most exciting of the series that we have left here headed into conference finals, but my goodness to be up, 14 points at that point of the game there in the fourth quarter and to allow a team that has not shot the ball particularly well this series, Chris, to allow them to come back on their three-point shooting and just like the devastating performance from Marcus Smart there inside of two minutes. I don't know how this Boston team can burn this tape quick enough. I mean, we joked about it with with Philadelphia in Game 5 for themselves. If there's any team that needs to do it, it's the Boston Celtics.
0: Yeah, Courtney, and we've talked about all playoffs long how the Boston Celtics do a great job of bouncing back after losses. I think since the calendar turned to 2022, this team is 11-3 after a loss, including a bounce-back win a couple of times in this series. But this felt like one of those losses – that would be hard for them to get up off of the mat on. And really the hero of the game was drew holiday. He was up and down for the first 45 minutes of the game, but the final three minutes, the playmaking from drew holiday on both ends, not only just knocking down the three pointer, but more so what he did defensively, I thought was the difference. Let's take a listen to drew holiday and how his bucks found a path to victory. Um, I think a lot of it is just confidence in ourselves. Um, I mean, obviously, we're in Boston. We're down fourteen in the fourth quarter. Like, kind of, just um, people would say that everything's against us, but we come together, um, and I feel like we've we've done that multiple times, and and we'll live and die by that, um, uh, having each other's backs, uh, just wrapping arms and going out there and fighting. Honestly, just leaving it on the line, leaving it out there on the court uh, every single game. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And, Courtney, I know you talked about it a little bit on the show yesterday about how somebody else for the Milwaukee Bucks had to step up other than Giannis, who was phenomenal again, by the way, dropping 40 points and 11 boards to go with it. And that person yesterday in crunch time was Drew Holiday.
1: Talk about a guy that had a massive rebound game for himself, coming off of the game four performance where he goes five of twenty two from the floor, and you know scores um, seven, five, ten points off that. Like that's just that was an awful performance for Drew Holiday. And I feel like where he's at right now in answering the call for this Milwaukee Bucks team that remains without. Chris Middleton without the Batman to without the Robin to Giannis Antetokounmpo's Batman it's just miraculous I think the way that this whole thing is is taking shape at the moment and the defensive performance that you get from Drew Holiday in that final stretch that's that's the deal breaker for the for the Milwaukee Bucks and I feel like the steal at the end of the game, the final possession on top mm-hmm. of that. You know, Bobby Portis on the putback with Giannis' um, – you know, he got the offensive rebound, just the way that they killed them on the offensive glass. Yes. 22 – excuse me, 17 offensive rebounds, 20 second-chance points for the Milwaukee Bucks off of those boards. That's something that – you. I just don't know how you can flush that quick enough if you are the Boston Celtics, a team that predicates itself on being so strong defensively when they just weren't in game five.
0: Well, it's a tale of two games for me. If you saw in the first half, I thought the Boston Celtics did a pretty decent job of keeping the Milwaukee Bucks off the offensive glass and not turning the ball over. And you heard Ime Adoka talk about it when they did the inside tracks during the broadcast of last night's game, saying that, you know, we're holding them to zero points. Uh, off of turnovers or zero turnovers and zero offensive rebounds. And that has to be the formula for success against a team that has a much bigger front court than the Boston Celtics are bringing to the party. And it just felt like in the second half after they mounted that double-digit lead, they forgot all of the fundamentals that got them to that place. And that's how you open the door for guys like Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo to steal that game down the stretch. Another unsung hero that I think is important for us to point out, Courtney, is Bobby Porter's. Mm-hmm. And I know they got a dance in Milwaukee for Bobby Portis and all of that stuff. But I thought Coach Bud made the right call in taking minutes away from Brooke Brooke Lopez and putting Bobby Portis in in crunch time. And he was rewarded not only with the play that Bobby P made on the Miss Giannis field goal down the stretch with the putback, but also with just his activity on the offensive glass. Seven of his 15 rebounds were on the offensive glass. That's impressive. So he put 14 points to to the, uh, the to the total as well. So I thought that Bobby Portis was a major factor, and maybe Coach Bud might have found the lineup that he needs to roll with when it comes to the players that he's got to roll with down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and I mean finding somebody that has the heads up, n- up nature to know he has to be in the right place at the right time when when Giannis misses that free throw, like. That, to me, is a team that is coming on at the right time, a team that knows each other inside and out, and a team that knows it has to be able to find a way to give Giannis breaks in moments. And, of course, Giannis was fantastic. When you talk about, like, the top performances last night, you know, with Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, and and being part of that supporting cast, you still put Giannis number one based on what he did in a game where we're going to remember him for blood streaming down from his face in the final moments. Um, Just, you know... Herculean performance from Giannis, but I think that they figured out he was gassed to a point where they needed to find him some help because while he's fine. He says he's fine carrying the load offensively and defensively, as he said coming out of game four in that final uh in that loss that they had. Like I I really believe that the Milwaukee Bucks are better off for the performances they got from Drew Holiday, that they got from Bobby Portis, in finding that supporting cast, the right mix, in waiting to see how long it's going to take Chris Middleton to come back. They needed to find those answers around Giannis, and they found them.
0: No doubt about it. And I think that you had some big-time shot-making by some of the other guys, like, Wesley Matthews had some big-time shots that he was able to come up with. I mean, Pat Connaughton knocked down three three-pointers. So, when you have guys that can make shots down the stretch, I, I think that bodes well for the Bucs, especially when those guys do it on the road. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance, and I think that we saw that even though Giannis did come up with some huge plays down the stretch, the Bucs weren't solely reliant on Giannis at the end of the game in order to make the game-winning plays. That was Drew Holiday last night. With the assist from Marcus Smart, even with the missed free throw by Giannis and Bobby Portis getting the rebound, can we talk about how Marcus Smart knocked the ball out of Jalen Brown's hands? Courtney, can we talk about how? Talk about Marcus- that collision. Can we tell ta- you exactly? Can we talk about how Marcus Smart, the possession before that, he's barreling down the court and he gets it stripped, and then Drew Holiday knocks down a three to tie the game, or how about at the end of the game in their last half-court possession, Marcus Smart driving baseline on Pat Connaughton? and then getting blocked by Drew Holiday on help side defense. Or the very last play of the game Mm -hmm. where they inbound it, Al Horford passes it back to Marcus Smart. He's got his head down, dribbles the basketball off his hip, completely uh, does not see Jason Tatum streaking off the opposite sideline wide open because two defenders ran into each other. Like Marcus Smart picked the most inopportune time to play the worst two minutes of his NBA career let's take a listen to Marcus Smart and what he had to say about that last play where Drew Holiday blocked the shot no I didn't see him it wasn't um the play was actually JT was supposed to come up and get it but everybody was just standing around um and you know we had no timeouts and it was a five second count on the way so you know I just got open tried to make a play Drew did a good job of you know helping um that's it made a good play yeah, I, I, he made a great play. There's no question about it. But Courtney, in that moment, if you if you're not giving yourself options in that situation to drive and kick, you're doing it all wrong. And that's exactly the position that Marcus Smart found himself in. It
1: kind of feels like there was not a full bus throw. Uh, that he didn't throw Jason Tatum all the way under the bus there. But in talking about that game stealing, ceiling block. He said that Tatum was the one who was supposed to come up and get it, but everybody else was just standing around. So, you know, him pointing that out, I think, is is something that just, you know, in the heat of the moment and and just how they've lost Game 3 and Game 5, those are things that Marcus Smart's going to be remembered for. And obviously in Game 3, no one can blame him. He was shooting a three. It shouldn't have been a a foul on the floor. It should have been a, a shooting foul. But for that to happen and then another loss on top of that where we're going to remember that final play of the game in the steal and Marcus Smart being at the center of that, I wonder how that's going to affect his mentality going forward. Is he going to play tight? Is he going to be able to bounce back to form of being the reigning defensive player of the year? Because Drew Holiday saw that yesterday. He said, I took that personally. Kind of like that <laughs> Michael Jordan meme yeah. from uh, The Last Stands. and And he outplayed him. I wonder for Marcus Smart who I think is an absolutely terrific player and has made this series so compelling to watch. Like is he is he going to have a moment where he's able to like wipe all of that clean because it feels like it's, you know, thing after thing compounding for the Boston Celtics right now, particularly at the hand of Marcus Smart and I just I worry about that going forward.
0: So, Courtney, if the Bucs are able to close out the Seas in Game 6, when we look back on this series, will Game 5 be the game that the Boston Celtics let get away or the game that the Bucs took from?
1: I think it's the game that Boston the – oppor- the biggest opportunity that Boston blew. Like, mm. they had every single chance. Milwaukee was not shooting the ball well at all in this series. And all of a sudden, they let them find their stroke after after struggling to find it in the first four games and the moments where Giannis was taken out of the game and given a breather when he goes to the bench you and I talked about this pre-show that wasn't the chance that the Celtics saw to take you know to, to put their foot further on the gas and run away with this game. They were complacent in moments, and I feel like they were lackadaisical on the offensive glass, and that absolutely killed them down the stretch. So with this game, you know, give it, giving them a chance to put the put the Milwaukee Bucks on, on the brink of elimination to all of a sudden now they're down in this series, I feel like there's no one to blame but the Boston Celtics for the way that last night played out. I mean, they absolutely choked it away in the fourth quarter.
0: That's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So as the Boston Celtics face elimination in Game 6, one team avoids elimination in Game 5 and does it to whoop that trick.
1: Adams hands back to Bain. Step back, three, ring it up. Put three on the board. It's a 30-point Grizzly lead. It's been a
0: competitive series. We've been in it the whole way. Ball hasn't bounced our way a few times, but um, you know, keep doing what we've been doing, and uh, you know, keep our spirits high. It's just been something that we've prided ourselves on all year. Is um, we got a bunch of hoopers on this team, we got a bunch of guys who can
1: who can play ball.
0: It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin filling in for Chris Carlin and Courtney. The beatdown that nobody saw coming was what the Memphis Grizzlies did to Golden State in Game Five beating the Warriors 134-95. to 95. It was a 30 point, 39 point margin of victory, and the Grizzlies' largest lead on the evening was 55 points. So it, it was ugly from the opening tip, and it's not like we haven't seen Golden State play sloppy at times in this series, but we hadn't seen it for a complete 48 minutes, and that's exactly what we saw in Game 5 in Memphis last night.
1: It's just embarrassing that that wasn't a playoff game, and I don't know if it's the Warriors not being locked in or taking Memphis seriously without Ja Morant, but – you know, I thought it was a nice piece of poetic justice with Ja on the sideline, not playing uh, in this game or in game four because he has that bone bruise in his right knee, completely mocking the Warriors and mocking Draymond Green and getting the crowd into it and saying, hey, we're still here. We're still going to hang around. We still are the two seed. If you don't take us seriously, this is the result that's going to, to, to play out. I thought that that was – Great on the part of Memphis. I think it was absolutely embarrassing for the Golden State Warriors who took this team lightly, thought that they could come in with C minus effort and you know, walk away from the series, get a couple extra days of rest before they face Dallas or Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals. And they got played because they played themselves here. The Grizzlies had ten more offensive boards than the Warriors, and the Warriors had 11 more turnovers than the Grizzlies. That's just bad basketball. It's sloppy from start to finish, and the sad thing is when you talk about them being up by 55 points in the third quarter, the first three quarters of that game were what were deemed the competitive part of the game. That's bad, Chris. And I was yeah. really, really disappointed with the Golden State Warriors uh, in just the way that they showed up last night. Because I, I told you during our pre-show meeting, I turn the game on in the second quarter and I see the score and I say, "Okay, what happened? Who got hurt? Where's Steph Curry? Like, you know, did did something happen? Did somebody get ejected? Why why is this game going this way?" And then you watch and you're like, "No, everything's fine. What on earth?" Were they doing like it was just disrespectful to the game of basketball, the way that they walked into that building and then walked out last night?
0: Yeah, it was that 42 to 17 third quarter that did it for me. And as Jamil Hill put it on Twitter, the the Golden State Warriors were playing with that. We have a substitute teacher type of energy in game five and they completely disrespected the game of basketball. And Courtney, we have a saying in professional sports. When you disrespect the game, that's when it comes back to bite you in the ass, and that's exactly what happened to the Golden State Warriors. They didn't respect that opponent, and you knew it coming into last night because Steph Curry was saying the game plan for the Warriors going back to Memphis was whoop that trick and close out the series. You can't disrespect your opponent, especially knowing that they're down, they're all-star in John Morant, and think that they're not going to come out swinging, and that's exactly what happened. Take a listen to Draymond Green and what he had to say about last night's performance? Uh, you definitely want to flush it, but you also have to learn from it. Um, you know, it's not like flush it, you see this team again in two months. You see this team again in two days. And so uh, you, you, you learn from it, and then you flush it. Uh, you make the necessary adjustments, and then you flush it. You know, so I think what, what you flush is the end result. You know, you move on from that. But, but you do, you know, we do have to learn from it and, you know, make the adjustments that we need to make. Yeah, and the reality is that this Memphis Grizzlies team knows how to play basketball without Ja Morant. Mm, they've had 27 they They've had twenty-seven games this season without Ja Morant, including the postseason. They're 21-6. and six. So it's not as if they're not competitive when Ja is not on the court. This is a really good team with a lot of depth top to bottom, and those guys played with a lot of energy and overwhelmed Golden State to the point early on in that game where they had no interest in playing in the second half. And that's probably the most disappointing thing to see for a team that has championship DNA, Courtney.
1: Yeah, and – That championship DNA only takes you so far when you actually tap into it. I don't know if they were going ahead, thinking ahead to a Western Conference finals matchup and who they might be playing. You know, Steve Kerr is dealing with COVID right now. So he wasn't there. As you mentioned that substitute teacher attitude they had with Mike Brown, who might've already been scouting the Sacramento Kings, the job that he's going to take here this off season. Um, I just, Champions don't act like that. You end up digging deep when you're, when you're in these moments of, okay, let's close this team out. Let's show why we're the better team. And they mm-hmm. didn't do that. And that's just what's so frustrating here because we talk so much about experience and what this Warriors team has that other teams in the Western Conference don't have act like it, play like it, and and close out a team that, if you think this is an inferior opponent, go ahead and act like it and and keep your foot on the gas. Don't let up on them. Instead, they got embarrassed. And I know Draymond, his tone of voice after the games, you can't really flush it, like you face him again in two days. Like You want to go in pissed off in game six. That's what I think. But, man, they blew a golden opportunity, and now they're – not going to have the extra rest that they were hoping for before they head, you know, if they do head to the Western Conference Finals.
0: Yeah, and now the question is, Courtney, after a Game 5 no-show, are the Warriors a true title contender coming out of the Western Conference? That's what we want to hear from you on the CC call-in line. Hit us up, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Sixers host the Heat. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 630 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations coming up next all these rumors around Phil Jackson wanting to trade LeBron who he's potentially interested in as the next coach if you're a Lakers fan like me it's nauseating wait till you hear the reports that are out there on my Lakers you're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio
1: It seems to me that LeBron James' future as a Laker is imperiled. Here we go with LeBron James.
0: He's the only person that has extreme value. That you'll never get equitable compensation for his greatness. I don't think he's going anywhere, man. If I'm LeBron, I'm ending my career with the Lakers. I have a business empire that extends beyond basketball. But it's the only chance you have to be immediately respectable if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin filling in for the big fella, Chris Carlin. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a whole lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. And, Courtney, we're in the second round of the playoffs. So why are we talking about a team that didn't even make the play-in? The short answer is... Because it's the Lakers. And earlier this week, Jeannie Buss, the owner-operator of the Los Angeles Lakers, decided that she was going to grant an exclusive interview to Bill Plaschke of the L.A. Times. And the, I guess the premise or the impetus for the interview was to let everybody know that she's in charge of the Los Angeles Lakers, but then running down the list of people that had involvement, that had a voice in the organization, and the overall direction of the program moving forward. Well... That same Bill Plasky appeared on the Doug Gottlieb show yesterday and said that he's heard that Phil would like LeBron James traded. It's something that Plasky said he heard. He does not know. He, he, uh, he says. wonder
1: where he heard that from.
0: He says, I do know that Phil would like to keep Russell Westbrook and try to make it work with him. Now, according to our very own Adrian Wojnarowski, previously reported that Jackson is significantly involved in Los Angeles. search for the next head coach after they fired Frank Vogel. So the question that I have to you is why the hell would you want to keep Russ and why would you want to trade LeBron James?
1: Well, we know that Phil Jackson has always been a fan of Russell Westbrook. Um, and I think he looks at this as if he's being consulted as heavily as, as is being let on, Jeannie Buss talked about him being a longtime trusted, you know, Mind for her in basketball. he's won 11 championships, five with the Lakers. Yes, they did have a relationship for a while, but he has still been somebody that she's leaned on along with Magic Johnson. two people that don't have anything to do currently. They don't have any like titles as advisors with the Lakers, but those are people that you know brains that she picks. So that's one thing in its own right, but she looks you know, I think that Phil Jackson is looking at this saying, if you want to go the route, of getting it right, realizing that you're not going to probably get a lot for Russell Westbrook right now. He had, you know, he's an inflated contract. His performances here was eh. And so it's not like there's going to be people banging down the door in Los Angeles to try to get him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, LeBron James probably makes a little bit more sense if you are trying to jumpstart start. The start of something new here, knowing that he's 37 years old on the back half of his career, you're not rebuilding around LeBron James. And so that's where I feel like if this is indeed is true that Le- Phil Jackson wants to trade LeBron or at least likes the idea, he's viewing this for the long term, not, hey, we got to quick fix this and win with LeBron in potentially the final two years of his career and do it now because they would make or have the potential to make the same sort of moves that are devastating to a franchise the way that the Russell Westbrook one was that did not pan out. I feel like there'd be too much pressure to do it that way. And you. Mm-hmm. And I think it also points towards the fact that they believe in Anthony Davis and that at 29 years old they're going with the high ceiling player, the younger player over LeBron James at his point of at this point of his career where they know he's not playing much longer and it's not worth the overall investment to go all in with LeBron and what he wants to do versus the long-term play.
0: And, Courtney, that kind of logic makes sense. I could understand the Lakers organization talking themselves into rolling with the player that has the longer runway because you're right. Anthony Davis is in his late 20s as opposed to LeBron James, who's in his late 30s, and Russell Westbrook has a whole lot of tread on his tires for a guy in his mid-30s. So it makes sense to try to build this thing around AD. Where the Lakers lose all credibility is saying that Phil Jackson is the one that came up with the idea. I mean, Phil Jackson has had an ongoing public feud with LeBron James, going back to his time as an executive with the New York Knicks when he referred to LeBron James and his friends as the posse. Like, we know that Phil doesn't like LeBron. So this was going to be the obvious conclusion that Phil Jackson would come to if he had a significant voice, if he had some sway within the Lakers organization. And from that standpoint it has to at least be a little bit uncomfortable for Jeannie Buss and for Rob Palenka. But that aside, I completely agree with you. I think if you start to look at the pieces on the roster that you could actually get something in return for, LeBron James is the obvious one. But, Courtney, the only question is, what does that do to your perception in NBA circles and how does that affect your relationship with clutch sports and potentially recruiting clutch clients in free agency or signing trades?
1: LeBron's probably your last big clutch client or maybe last clutch client um, period for a long time. If mm. you do end up moving on from him, because that's that would signify that they're siding with Phil Jackson over the player that they gave up so much to bring to the Los Angeles Lakers a couple of years ago. And, I do feel like in terms of line drawn in the sand here, that would be Jeannie Buss in the Lakers' way of saying, hey, we gave you control or significant control last year, LeBron James, and allowing you to pull the strings to orchestrate Russell Westbrook coming here. And your role as pseudo-GM failed us. And it's over, and we're not going to give you that sort of clout anymore. We're not going to afford you that opportunity because you set us back. And you're going to be done playing here in a couple of years. We still are trying to win championships. So that, I feel like, is is what the messaging would be if they end up moving on from LeBron James via a trade. I think that's a hard thing to do, though, in basketball circles. Like you talked about, Chris. That that looks so bad. And LeBron has a lot of pull in this league and will continue to have a lot of pull in this league no matter how many more years he plays. That's a it's a fine line to toe right now, and for Jeannie Bus, Rob Palenka, you know, Kurt Rambus is still in the front office for some godforsaken reason, making you know personnel decisions. Remember the report <laughs> of him going into the players' meeting and being like, "Yeah, there needs to be uh, more lineups that uh, feature such and such." Like just like the most bizarre thing. It was back in um in January. Like this, I understand front office people have been having a significant voice in how the roster's constructed, but um you know all of the reports that came out just with what his role is and what Lim- Linda Rambus's role is, the Ramby, as they are referred to. It's <laughs> just so bizarre. So Jeannie Buss, I know that she's got a, a pretty tight-knit circle of people who have the NBA pedigree and have won championships, been part of championship teams. She should be really careful who she's listening to here because the same people she's listened to in the past have got it wrong. Remember, Phil Jackson was involved in the, in the, you know, the hiring of Frank Vogel. The same with Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Look at where they're at right now. You want to go yep. back to the well on this? It doesn't seem smart.
0: No, it doesn't seem smart. So where the Lakers go from here is anybody's guess, but Phil Jackson will have significant sway in that decision. Coming up next. How much leverage does Kyrie Irving have? We'll take that as well as Rich in North Carolina and Patrick in Cleveland. You guys hang on on the CC call line. You're listening to Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
1: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured...
0: calling on espn radio and espn plus courtney cronin filling in for the big fella and courtney we got people lined up on the cc call in line so we got to get to it let's go to rich in north carolina rich you're on espn radio what up
1: we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What's going on? So I didn't see the Warriors game last night, but I woke up, saw the score, and then I even heard they were down at 55 at some point. And For me, that's baffling. And I have to think if you're Golden State, of course, you're going to be, it'll be impossible to live down if you blow the lead. But at the same time, if you're Memphis, my question to you guys, if you're Memphis, how bad is it going to hurt knowing that you could beat down the Warriors that bad and can't win the series? Tough. I mean that would I feel like Memphis does have the built-in excuse here and not even that they want to use it as an excuse but they they look at this probably like man we're down John Morant but we've won in spite of not having him before like that stat you brought up Chris 21 and 6 without him during the 2021-22 season they can win this thing but I also you know, I, I, I toe the line here because I just feel like at full strength and when they actually care and, you know, give a crap about the game, the Golden State Warriors are, you know, the superior team when John ja Morant's not playing on the floor.
0: There's no question about it, but you would think an experienced team like Golden State would understand the value in being able to get a couple of games rest – over whatever team you face coming out of that other series in round two in the Western Conference, whether it's the Mavs or whether it's Phoenix, because that feels like that game that series is going to go seven games. The home team is held serve at every single matchup. So if you're Golden State, why not steal an opportunity to get a couple of extra days rest and have more juice going into the Western Conference Finals? That would be my thought process. But, Courtney, to your point about John ja Morant being out and having that built-in excuse, it almost takes all the pressure off of the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's all on the Golden State Warriors, and we're calling Steph Curry one of the best players, if not the best player in this series. Well, there's no way you can look at the last couple of performances and feel like that is reflective of what kind of team Golden State has. So it's going to be on him, not only as a player, but as a leader on that team to step up and set the tone for what Golden State is going to do in game six now that the series is shifting back to the Chase Center in the Bay Area, let's take Patrick in Cleveland. Patrick, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, All right, I Patrick. wanted to say about I wanna I wanted to comment about the uh, Phil Jackson Lebron
1: James thing,
0: and I can tell you right now the reason why he doesn't want Lebron. Phil is used to winning. He's used to having players that want to win, regardless of what side of the career they're on, regardless of whether Lebron's on the downside of his career or not. I can tell you just like this. How many times have you guys watched whether he was in Miami, Cleveland, or LA, and he walked out of the yeah, yeah, I'm with you on this one, Patrick. Phil does not. I'm with you, 1,000%. Courtney, as a Lakers fan, it's hard to breathe with all of these Phil Jackson rumors. And as a Knicks fan, Shannon Penn understands my pain. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin filling in for the big fella. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney, we had Sean Marks, the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, actually address the media in their offseason plans yesterday. And one of the things that came out of the presser from Sean Marks is his need for accountability and availability from everybody on the Brooklyn Nets. And it felt as if Sean Marks was issuing an ultimatum to one Kyrie Irvin. Let's take a listen to what Sean Marks had to say. When we saw this year, you know, when, when you have, you know, Kevin miss 27 games with injuries and Kyrie being out for over half the season, I mean, that hurts. You know, that hurts from a roster-building standpoint. You know, that's, that's not what we planned for. So um, some are avoidable, and, and other excuses are of, of individual nature, and those are the ones that we have to try and avoid. We need people here that want to be here. They're selfless. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and they, there's an objective and there's a goal stake here and in order to do that we're going to need availability from everybody yeah I don't know how you interpret that other than Kyrie Irving if you're available to play if you're not hurt you need to be on the court to help us accomplish our ultimate goal I don't know that you can read what Sean Marks had to say any other way but more importantly Courtney I think it's important to cite the fact that Sean Marks doesn't put it on wax he doesn't say it in front of a microphone unless he has the full support and backing of ownership and we heard Joe Sy a couple of weeks ago in the New York Post saying how he was frustrated about the business side of the Brooklyn Nets and how they had nine-figure nine, and nine figure losses, potentially nine-figure losses, $50 to $100 million in losses. And we know billionaires don't become billionaires by losing that kind of money. So when you start to couple the fact that there's frustration from ownership and the frustration of what happened and being bounced in a first-round sweep by the Boston Celtics, you can understand how Sean Marks can get to a place where he feels like he's empowered to issue an ultimatum to Kyrie.
1: Yeah, his uh, the ownership group is telling the general manager in the front office, do what you need to do. And if that means not agreeing to the long-term extension with Kyrie Irving because he might be available to you for only a fraction of the games, like he was 29 games this past season because he refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine – then go ahead and do it and don't worry about it hurting Kevin Durant's feelings or upsetting him. I feel like they're placing their trust in the front office and not necessarily we need to do everything to make Kevin Durant happy and keep him happy because he wanted Kyrie Irving there. I also wonder here, behind the scenes of what's going on, 'Cause it it's funny, you remember going back to um the post game press conference following the game four loss when Kyrie Irving was talking about the off season and yeah, man, you know, me, Joe, Sean, Kevin, we're gonna get you know, put our heads together this off season, et cetera, et cetera. He leaves out Steve Nash in that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's part of these conversations of what's going forward, given the way that Sean Marks talked about wanting players who are available. It feels like the front office is like, Yeah, that's cute and everything. You sit over there, we'll work on what your contract's going to be here going forward, whether it's, you know, these one-year extensions that I think that they probably should instead of locking them up to a $200 million contract when you're not sure what you're going to get. Feels like they're drawing the line in the sand here with Kyrie Irving on one side of it, everyone else on the other side of it saying, yeah, it's good. if it works for us on our terms, we'll consider it. But you have no power here anymore because of the stunt you pulled this year, and we're not putting up with it anymore.
0: Oh, and I'll take it back to a couple of years ago, Courtney, where he went AWOL for weeks and nobody in the organization knew where he was. And then you saw images of him in a nightclub with his sister and his dad celebrating their respective birthday parties. Then you had him making an appearance for a district attorney candidate in the city of New York. Like, there there were so many – different things that Kyrie Irving had prioritized other than being available for his basketball team and trying to help them compete for a championship. And I think that's where we've reached a boiling point with his status within the organization. You're talking about a guy since he arrived three years ago that's played in 53% of the possible games that he could have played in over that span. 53% Courtney. Now we can, we can acknowledge the injuries the first year, we can talk about the AWOL situation the second year or the, the vaccination policy in New York City the third year, but it sounds like a bunch of different reasons that don't necessarily show that Kyrie Irving is trying to do everything that he can to help his team win. And by the way, you're talking about somebody that you would have to make a sizable financial commitment to if he were to opt out and you were to try to re-sign him. It, it's, it's five years, $247 million dollars. Based on what you've seen, if you're Joe Shy or Sean Marks over the last three years, do you want to commit that kind of money
1: Never. to Kyrie Irving? I've said this a couple times now. I think you, from here on out, he's on one-year contracts. He's worth $50 million for sure. Give it to him in one-year contracts because you can't trust him on a long-term deal.
0: No question about it, and I'm with you on that one. You have to make sure that you keep uh, 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 keep Kyrie on the hook and make sure that he doesn't feel comfortable because when he does – you get the the worst version of Kyrie Irving. Coming up next, Embiid in game six. He better show up.